Welcome to the Resellers Niche Podcast, a show for e-commerce buyers and sellers where we investigate unique categories of items being bought and sold and show how research equals knowledge equals profit. And now your hosts, Russ and Mo. Today we're going to be doing a little bit of a background on both of us. My name is Mo, and um, uh, I'm here with Russ. Hey Mo, how are you today? Good, good Russ, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Okay, so I thought it'd be a good idea if people uh, to figure out who we are by us interviewing each other. And uh, just kind of figuring out why we're here, what we're doing what this whole show is going to be about. Um, why don't we start off with... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Let, let's tell them kind of how we came up with this idea, Mo, and, and what, um, and then we'll kind of interview each other, and that way we tell them, you know, and okay. and I'll start out, you know, you you called me and we talked about um, the resources out, you, out there for niche marketing. And we both, uh, I think... I think you'll agree with this, Mo. We both love digging into new products and new ideas, and because yep. that just means more money. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of looked at it. And we said, "There's really not a, a, a huge resources out there. There's some YouTube channels, but there's not like a podcast to just listen and learn about one thing each podcast." Exactly, exactly. And it, it was kind of like the way um, we were thinking about it was. Some, something where it wasn't as general as some of the other. There's some great shows out there, but something that really dives deep into whatever topic we're talking about. Because um, uh, you know you're, you're going to find that one-up item, and you're not going to know what it is, why it's there, uh, you know, at a thrift store or, or wherever you find it. And I want, I'm a little obsessive compulsive, so I like that kind of stuff. Um, and kind of the story behind items. So um, I, I thought it was a cool idea to just kind of do a show that had more background on uh, whatever we're talking about. And more background and also, you know, one thing that, that we always have to think of is, you know, you're not going to be an expert today. And you have to learn. And, and where do you start to learn? That's always some of the biggest thing is, is where do you start? And... You know, the old saying is, uh, you know, the Gretzky saying, he skated where the puck is. And, <laughs> yeah, and you know, go through a minefield in somebody else's footsteps. So that's what we want to do with the viewers or the listeners is to um, give them some, some steps to take and some ideas and go out and look. They're, they're not going to be an expert after listening to this show, for one, you know, they're one, but they'll know the steps to become an expert. Exactly. Exactly, and then actually, another part of it for myself is also learning. Um, I mean, we're going to be hopefully talking to people that know about know more than us about uh, certain topics, uh, certain items, niches, subjects. So, I think it's really uh, a learning experience more than anything. And that's about ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine percent of the people selling that have more knowledge than me you know (laughs) i do i do such a broad stroke you know i don't have that one quote niche going right now so but i love learning about all of it and and that's where the money comes in so 
Well, I'll start out. Yes. Mo. I'll, I'll yeah. just kind of, you know, we'll do the interview thing, and, and I'll go from, from there and just kind of start it out. And, you know, we do know each other, uh, so I'll ask, um, you know, I, I know your story. You kind of, you know my story, so we'll kind of ask from there and, and, and okay. go from there. How how long have you been, how long have you been reselling online? Well, reselling online for me took, technically, my eBay account, uh, 2001. Now, when I, in 2001, that was eBay, but it wasn't really reselling per se. Um, back then, um, I would sell tickets, uh, concert tickets, sporting tickets, uh, a lot of basketball tickets. Uh, I'm in the Bay Area, uh, Northern California, so a lot of uh, Warriors tickets, also like Giants, A's tickets, uh, Raiders, uh, 49er tickets. Nice. But nice. the reason actually wasn't so much the resell. Uh, it was because uh, my buddies and I couldn't afford a lot of these tickets, but uh, one of us, uh, one of my friends said, you know what, if we just buy, I don't know, stand in line and get 10 tickets, we can buy the tickets that we're going to use, uh, you know, there's four of us, and then we'll sell the other six, and then we'll make the money back so we can kind of cover our costs. So that's kind of where it started. So, um, and then I kind of started doing a few more um, related items, but it was always tickets, and it wasn't so much um, to make money as it was to cover costs. To cover costs. That's still still making money. You yeah. Know, the stuff you don't spend out of your pocket is still making money. Yes. So, and yeah. this is pretty sub hub, so it was a little bit easier back then. What was your favorite game you went to? Do you have, or do you have a favorite game that, when that happened, you sat there and thought, man, if we wouldn't have done that. We wouldn't be able to hear at this game. Do you, do you remember that game? Yes, I do, actually. It was when um, Jordan was back in town. He was on the Wizards at that time. Um, I don't, this is early 2000s. So he wasn't with the Bulls, so it wasn't that. But still, those tickets, he came to town for one game, I believe, that right. entire And so we were lucky to get nosebleed seats. So we all got nosebleed seats. They weren't that much, but they were a good 50, 60 bucks a piece. But, uh, for section 300 and something but we got those because we bought i think we were allowed to buy four each and there were four of us so we did that sold the rest of them and we were good to go and we could buy you know hot dogs and pop got to see michael jordan play even you know even though the later years you still got to see mj play and you got to see him play basically for free yes right right now had you had any um prior sale selling like finding stuff or or doing any type of uh, you know flipping flipping hustle whatever you want to call it but had you done that anything else before uh sales experience uh, i wouldn't call it sales experience my first job ever i was 14 i used to sell newspapers over the phone and that lasted about three days um <laughs> I think it only lasted three days because I was hired on a Wednesday, and they usually did their firing on a Friday. So uh, you went into this room. There's about 20 of these cubicle things, and they're all soundproofed, so you couldn't really hear the guy next to you. And then uh, we did it early, early in the morning, so we were trying to catch, because we're on the West Coast, trying to catch East Coast people. And I think I had one bite, and the, the guy actually didn't try and buy, because what you do is you get somebody on the phone and then you get your manager to seal the deal. Gotcha. And so, 
the guy, the manager comes over, and I'm thinking yeah, I've got a deal, and I can just see his face drop. And then he just hands me the phone back, but he doesn't say anything. He just walks away. And then I picked up the phone. There was nobody there. So I asked him later on what happened. He's all, um, all he said was, tell that guy not to ever call me again. <laughs> and he hung uh, up. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome to sales, right? Yeah, you get uh, So let's take that ticket stuff. What was your next item? What was, where was that, that brain moment to where the light went on and you went? You know, if I do tickets, maybe it, maybe there's other money involved here. Yeah, I mean, it, it went from there. Uh, I did tickets for a while, um, kind of until StubHub made it a little bit more difficult. But it was uh, – I started moving more into other venues too because once a certain season's over or maybe a, a game's not as popular, there's other things like uh, concert tickets, you know, musical comedy tickets – Remember, I sold uh, Seinfeld tickets um, after he stopped his show early 2000s. He did a season where he kind of went up the whole way around the country. So right. those are. Um, but I think the the light bulb really came on was uh, a little bit later. I, I used to run a shipping store, and then I used to see these guys that would come in, and uh, maybe this is getting a little bit away from that, but they would drop off these boxes and they had these eBay labels on them, and I was always wondering, you know what? I've never dropped off a box. I've always sold tickets. So what are these guys doing? And then this one guy came in to package something, and it was a vacuum. I said, wait, what are you doing with this vacuum? Are you sending it to somebody you know? He said, no, I just sold it on eBay. And I said, you could do that? And even though I've been on eBay for years, I never thought about other stuff other than t I was in my – I had tunnel vision kind of. But yep. So that's kind of what happened. That, that's a great point to stop to, to kind of belabor on that that we can tell our listeners is you know if you can think it it sells on eBay yeah I mean you know I've, I've ran across in research running across a guy that had real picture postcards uh, these are these are antique type postcards you know he had 15,000 of them listed on there. Um, oh my God! You, you, who who would think postcards? And you know, I've heard the story about the guy that collects all the um, the toilet paper roll holders. Yeah. Um, you know, threads. Just just name it. So that's even still today. People will go, Wow, you, you, that's a there's a market for that on eBay. So that's just a common thing. Um, yes. You know, right from going on there. And so you you kind of took it from there and went. I need to check into this a little bit more. Yes, and especially when. People started coming in with items of, and I couldn't tell what these items were all the time because they were sealed boxes, so I'd have to ask. Um, and there were all kinds of different things. Kind of what happened, like, oh, you're selling a vacuum today? It's, I've seen, I saw everything from TVs to vacuums to auto parts, uh, guys shipping bumpers. Um, uh, there was this guy that would ship uh, rims for cars. And so, I mean, that's kind of where it started. Like, oh, wow, there's so many different things that you can sell. Got it. Got it. And you took, um, now, what year was this that, that it kind of? 2000, this is probably the mid-2000s that I kind of got away from tickets. I would say uh, maybe 05, 06, somewhere in there. So that's at a time when, you know, online selling was really in its infancy, online selling and buying. People didn't go to the Internet first. Um, there yes. used to be something called 
um, what they call it, research online by, uh, yeah, research online by offline. Uh, they yeah. The, the robo and people would research online for prices and stuff, and then they go. But now we're into more of a, a research online by online. So, Everything's on. Yeah. One, you know, one what, thing. What they say, sixty uh, over this last year, sixty percent of the of retail sales now are are online at some point. So. Well, that's what they're expecting by I think December or something like that. Yeah. And it. You know, that, so you took it from there, and I know, you know, you and I met in, in one of the groups, and you took it from there, and then you went full-time FBA at one point, didn't you? Yes, yeah, I mean, that was a long time afterwards, um, and it, it, it kind of, that took a little bit of um, research to, actually, I kind of fell into FBA, um, because I used to also, uh, one of the jobs at, at had was basically doing tech support for a company that kind of facilitated uh, the cross between QuickBooks and all the different platforms. And talking about you know Sears, FBA, eBay, all of them. Gotcha. And I didn't. I mean, another thing. I, I, I guess I just didn't know again that I didn't know all these probably twenty or thirty different platforms existed. This is a little bit uh, more recent. This is probably twenty twelve. Um, um, and. FBA was one of them, and I remember asking my boss, you know, I understand what Amazon is, I've bought from Amazon plenty of times, but what is FBA? Right, right. <laughs> so that's kind of where that started, because I, I kind of saw it, and I saw people, what, they have inventories, how does that work? I mean, I know what eBay is, but then FBA, what is that? So nice. kind of wrapping around, that was a different thing. Nice. And now, uh, as we stand today, in 2007, you're doing a mix of both. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, eBay, Amazon, and uh, last month I started Etsy, actually. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, keep those uh, rivers going of, of different, uh, yep. different streams of income. Because as we all know recently with all the uh, Amazon stuff, some things have been restricted. So, you know, keep that yep. going on. Smart. Smart. Cool. Well, thank you for telling us that. No. No problem. So... That was a little bit about me. Why don't we? Um, let, I know your background story, but uh, for the listeners, how about um, can you tell us a little bit about how you started with reselling? Yeah, it's one of those things I've always done. Um, oh. My my background in in business was systems analyst uh, for corporate America for about twenty years, and then I went into sales in, in different capacities. But when I was trying to think one day, um, when did I kind of get that bug of doing things? And, and back, I'm I'm quite a bit older than you. And back in the '60s, they we all read comics, and in the back of comics was a company called the American Seed Company. And, okay. Um, and and you would send in for a seat a packet of seeds, and you'd sell it, and you'd get a toy. And um, so I was. I was five or six. I want to say I was about five. And I had my mom fill out the American Seed Company and then went in and sold, went door to door at five and six years of age. Um, I did that for like three summers, three or four summers. And, uh, oh, wow. I, re I remember my first toy I got was a uh, was two walkie-talkies. So, uh, so it's always been... And, you know, back in that time also, Mo, we... We would 
go to the ditches and find bottles if we wanted candy at the store. Um, we, yeah, we'd go into, we'd find Coke bottles or, or, you know, we call them Coke bottles, anything type of bottle that has a deposit. And we'd find four, five, six of them. They were th three to five cents a piece. And stores would take those in as returns. So it was always something like that. And even as a kid, I bought my first car with um, uh, with money that I had made uh, collecting aluminum, aluminum Wait, cans. Go back for a second there. So you could actually go to a, like a regular, like a, like a Walmart? or Oh, like everywhere took them. Uh, 7-Elevens, convenience stores, they would take them back in. You, you know. If you look on plastic bottles today, it says like Michigan's got like five cents or ten cents for. Yeah. 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 Well, it used to be everybody did that, and huh. yeah, we would go in in, in ditches and and um, <laughs> go looking for glass bottles, the Coke bottles. I don't think the beer or alcohol. I don't remember if they had a return on them, but Coke bottles had a return, had a nickel return. And so, you know, that that's how we got our candy fixes back then. Hey, that, that's a cool story. So, yeah, it, it just kind of leads into that, you know, I, I came from a, uh, my mother and father always had, they worked full-time jobs, then they had restaurants, so they were kind of the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, okay. So you came from that, and it was kind of like, you know, and they were depression babies, so they didn't, um, they wanted us to learn to earn. And that's, they that's, did. They, go ahead. That's I'm probably, sorry. That's, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that's probably one of the best lessons you could teach anybody. Yeah, as a, yeah, as a kid, you know, it's it's you teach that. And but uh, so, but a couple of years ago, um, we've always done garage sales, and uh, me and my wife met uh, in Savannah, Georgia, and we both had purged from our previous marriages, and. Um, we both moved to Savannah, Georgia, just with as much, with as little as stuff as possible. So when we met and married, uh, we started furnishing a household. So we, I've always done garage sales because there's just, you know, just great items for tenth of the cost. Um, so we did that to get the garage, you know, to get that going. And and one day I was in Louisiana with my nephew, and we were out garage sale, and he goes. You know what? He goes, I bet we could start selling some of this stuff on eBay. And uh, that was in about 2014, 2013, somewhere around there. And what kind of stuff was that? The first things we found were video games. Okay. Yeah. And we found a, uh, uh, we were digging at this one house, and I just happened to know that uh, refrigerant was expensive. And this, um, this, lady had a, a shed and she's like you know take what you want out of it pay what you want and we said this is refrigerant she goes i don't want it i think we paid 25 dollars for that bottle of refrigerant and we got uh, we sold it for near i think 400 wow so yeah now we didn't sell that online that was a local sale but um yeah so it it kind of got in a bug pretty quick that's that's pretty cool where would you say uh did that take you to the next step? Uh, what was kind of the next uh, evolution of your reselling? It taking it to uh, being being I've been, been full time now since June of uh, 2016. Uh, okay. So it, it took it to that step, and 
what it did was open my eyes up to everything has value to somebody. Um, and my favorite thing to do about this business is to find something for a dollar and sell it yeah. for 75 Who doesn't love that ROI? You know, yeah, that, just but, yeah, we'll right, do that. Right. And there are people that can scale to a very profitable living on that. Um, that's... I, I, that's not me. I I get I get uh, watching butterflies and you know something shiny takes my interest away and next thing I know I forgot to list it. But so it, it it's been hard for me to scale up a one off off of garage sales and stuff. So the scale up I've had to go into close. Yeah. Um, and and I, but again I found sourcing and I just I I love the sourcing part of it. And it's the treasure hunt. It's the you know the hunt. The, the hunt and going, man, I found something for, for you know, a dollar and sold. My favorite sell recently was, uh, I, I'll travel around some to see family and I'll work while I'm there. It was back in Louisiana and I found a reel-to-reel. I paid 18 cents for it at a bin because I bought it in a bulk of stuff and uh, sold it for $350. Wow, that's crazy, I Oh, it's crazy, it, it, but it's but it's and it's loving, and it just and I didn't I just I didn't know anything about that reel to reel. You know, I just knew it looked good, and hey, for eighteen cents, grab it. And nice. Got back, looked it up, and yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's kind of my story. We're I'm down here in Florida. Uh, I live. Ex- right in between Orlando and Tampa. So I have uh, two major cities that I can go to for sourcing. And that has worked out real well. Oh, nice. You're kind of between the two then, so. It's smack dab in the middle. I'm 40 miles from Orlando and 40 miles from Tampa. Okay, okay. That's kind of similar to, um, I'm kind of uh, not really, I'm a suburb of San Francisco. So probably about 35 miles away and about, I'd say, 18 miles away from San Jose. Uh, uh, sorry, 35 miles away from San Francisco and about 18 miles away from San Jose. So okay. kind of in, through there. Now, how far is, like, Oakland from you? Is it a pretty Oakland, good... I would say eight miles. Um, not far at all because I'm in Fremont. So, so you've, got, you've got a great ability, too, of source, you know, and that's... Yeah. And, but I don't want to tell people that you have to live in a, in a big city. You know, some of my greatest sourcing has been in small towns like Shreveport, Louisiana, that has, I think, maybe 200,000 people in the whole place. Gotcha. Uh, you know, that's, it's just, I go there and just source like crazy, and it's it's just a beautiful place to source. So it doesn't have to be metro areas. It helps. No. It helps when you're in metro areas. Yeah, I but, mean, there's... There's down. There's, there's, you know, the pros and the cons. A metro area, I think maybe you'll maybe pay a premium for items, but you'll have more of them as opposed to maybe other areas. Maybe don't pay the premium, but you'll find something you will never find anywhere else. Yeah, and you have more competition in a metro area. You have less competition in the other. So, you know, it it, it comes down to timing, and that kind of gets into what the show is about. Uh, Mo is about that knowledge. Yep. Um, you know, think about what we've learned in our groups and what we've learned in our discussions together about like, oh, yeah, you know, we do a lot of bolos. Keep on the lookout for this. Um, one of the ones that, that caught my eye was 
I was at a pawn store, and a guy said, "Hey, you know, look out for these things." It was the uh, leg massagers, and okay. I looked out. I, I looked out for one, found one at a bins, paid two dollars for it, and sold it for a hundred. So that's nice. kind of that's what we want to do with this show is share that knowledge, uh, yes. and and into the niche and a little bit more nitty gritty. Um, yeah. Deep there's, down and see. There's no way you'll ever know everything. Um, I mean, for example, I used, I was in the shipping business for a good you know ten twelve years. One of the things we would do is pick up for auction houses, oddest strangest things. And not just paintings. It would be. Uh, strange ornaments and all kinds of different things and every now and then I'll see some of that stuff at thrift stores um, I, I mean there's no other way I would known about that uh, a certain artist a certain type of product right um, the way it's shaped the way it's looked because sometimes there's no dates on anything there's no name on anything there's no box um, how do you know what that is then I mean you don't unless you just kind of yeah, you know, something told you or have seen it or heard about it or something. You know, it, it's kind of a, a newbie, and, and I'll say, I'll call myself the doobie, and it's it's great when I go picking, uh, I'll go picking or sourcing with somebody that's been around like yourself for a long time. And, man, you, they, they go through, and they'll just, you can see it. They go through and boom, 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 pick up things, pick up things, and and, oh, this is worth this, and this is worth that. Well, that doesn't come yeah. in a day. You know, that, that takes over time, and it's just that that constant learning. Um, yes. Yeah, it, and if you, you're right, you'll, well, there's no way you can learn at all. How many how many items are on eBay that sell every day? How many, uh, you know, how many items are on Amazon that can be sent in to FBA? You just, and everything, so. Yeah, and they constantly uh, change, too. Uh, it's like things go in cycles. Um, because I remember when I kind of restarted reselling, uh, I kind of started more with FBA. Um, I tried to send in a lot of stuff that I would usually set, sell on eBay, um, a lot of action figures, toys. They sat. They didn't move at all. And then people started saying, well, you know, that stuff will probably sell better on eBay or Etsy or, you know, that's more of a collectible as opposed to, uh, this kind of stuff that you would see on Amazon. So, I mean, it, it constantly changes. Right. Yeah, and, and I tell you what's exciting about the Amazon part of it now is how much people uh, purchase utilitarian stuff off of it. You know, oh, yeah. I, you know, I, we've known guys that uh, have made tons of money in stuff like, you know, underwear, socks, envelopes. Mm -hmm. I, that people now that you know normally you would go to your local store and pick that up now they're just hitting a button and it's getting sent so you know there's yeah. there's just so many ways to make money in this business um, it it it, really, it can get and, and going back to newbie it kind of can get overwhelming like oh man what wait I, I gotta learn this I gotta I gotta do this and you can kind of get <laughs> overwhelmed and and that's when you approached me with this show idea that's why I was like yeah this is great because you know, a couple of years ago, I did. I had to learn it on my own. I there's there's some really good YouTubers out there and some really good content out there. Yeah. Um, so we're we're kind of wanting to add on that, and they do a lot of how tos. Yes. Um, and and we want to dig into the bolos. And, yes. And the niches. Okay. I think you know some of the niches we've got coming up. 
uh, tools. Um, uh, we said some knives. What were a couple of the other ideas or, or the niches we're looking yeah, into? Because, I mean, we all, everyone loves toys. Everyone loves video games. But we wanted to dive in deeper. Like, not just an action figure. Let's go into a brand. Let's break down, you know, Bandai. Let's break down Playmates, the toy brand, that is. Uh, <laughs> let's yeah. break down, you know, let's keep going down as far as we can go. But still, you know, makes sense. And also, there's a story to be told there. You know, maybe it's something that, you know, they just they remake movies all the time. For example, they're redoing Power Rangers. That's a series from late 80s, early 90s. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, everything's cyclical. So, I mean, we kind of wanted to dive deeper into different topics. And, like, uh, there, for example, you just said tools. I know next to nothing about tools. So I'm really looking forward to that because I need to learn. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's. I, I want to make sure that uh, who, people listening to these podcasts understand I'm not the expert. Um, you know, we're not the experts. The person we're having on is a niche expert, and yeah. and listen from them, and that's where they'll learn from. Um, and I hope I hope that that people become successful from it and add to their repertoires of of products. Yep, exactly. I mean, if we can just learn one new thing each day, imagine how much more you know, how much better your business can be. How much stuff do we, if for those that are out there sourcing at, at thrift stores, garage sales, that type of stuff, how much are they missing when they're walking by? How much money are they missing when they're walking by? And those working on the other end, Amazon, Etsy, um, uh, or even locals, you know, how much are they missing when they're walking by something? And, you know, it, it it really comes down to that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th I think that's, you know, I'm excited about this show, Mo. I hope that uh, that people start grasping it, and, and uh, I hope that we get a lot of good experts on and, and go from there. Yeah, and then uh, I hope that people reach out to us if they are experts or if they have questions or um because we want to learn, and we want to learn from them, and vice versa. So, I mean, uh, I think this will be a lot of fun, and we, we're all going to learn a lot. I think that, that that's a good uh, way to wrap it up. I think if we leave it there and just say goodnight to the folks, and hopefully they will tune in to us next time. Sounds good to me. All right, take care, Mike. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to the Reseller Niche Podcast. Show notes and social media links are located at resellerniche.com. Please like and subscribe to us on iTunes.